Here's Raquel. Trying to snap an 11-game goalless drought back to Pedersen. His shot wide, right atop the crease. Crosby scores! A massive, massive goal for Pittsburgh. And who else? Sidney Crosby's 30th of the season, second of the night, 3-1 Pens. Oh, the sweet sound of a Sidney Crosby goal as the Pittsburgh Penguins needed it. Desperately had to grab a victory against the Chicago Blackhawks. The worst team in the NHL. And the Penguins slammed the door shut on the Crosby goal that really was the cherry on top. Other than the Brian Russ empty netter, obviously. But the Penguins needed something to go their way, especially after the loss 5-2 against Florida. Jake Gensel is going to be out for a considerable amount of time. The trade deadline only a couple of weeks away. Gensel is going to be out for about a month. And Sidney Crosby, two goals, got the scoring started and concluded it before the empty netter with 14.09 left in the third period for the Penguins to go ahead 3-1. I'm Austin Bexold with you. It's the Fan Early Morning Show here on The Fan. The Fan Early Morning Show for the Average Joe is presented by CGR Wholesale, where the Average Joe Buys like a pro at CGR Wholesale. There's a lot going on in the world of Pittsburgh sports. The Pirates reported to spring training in Bradenton on Wednesday. Pitchers and catchers reported. We had a rumored trade with the Miami Marlins for Edward Cabrera. That's been rumored, talked about, discussed. And there was a little tidbit from Jason Mackey that hit the internet yesterday. We'll get into what that was and the possibilities with that as well. Steelers, do you like Justin Fields? Do you like Kenny Pickett? It just depends on who you're talking to at this point. And also the Pittsburgh Penguins in the victory against the Blackhawks after coming off of the loss against Florida. And this Sunday, monumental day in Penguins history. Yaramir Yager's number 68 will be raised to the rafters at PPG Paints Arena. Six o'clock against the Kings. Yager is back in Pittsburgh. He's 52 years old. He's still playing hockey. And that's where we begin. You know, Yager is a complicated case. There's a lot of discussions. Will Mario Lemieux be there on Sunday when Yager is ultimately honored? And his jersey is going to be hanging right alongside Briere and Lemieux at PPG Paints, as well as the banners, 91 and 92, that Yager was so instrumental in bringing to the City of Champions. You know, my experience in watching Yager comes being a young hockey fan and his time in Philadelphia, time he played for the Rangers, kind of just bouncing back and forth. You think of him in Calgary. I kind of think of him now as well as the time that he has spent Overseas, he's played for multiple different teams. He now owns a team in the Czech Republic. The Penguins president of business operations, Kevin Acklin, was on KDKA yesterday in partnership with the KDKA Warmathon. And he said that Yager is still playing hockey. He's 52 years old. He played for the team that he owns, 52 years old, and he played as recently as last week. Second all-time in points in NHL history behind Wayne Gretzky. He's a star. He's charismatic. He used to wear the captain's C on his chest for the Penguins. 
when Mario was gone. Those two were thunder and lightning together. A, dyna- a dynamic duo. Two guys that brought Stanley Cups here. Two of them. Mario was a part of all five. As either a player or an owner. And helped usher in the new era. It would be kind of criminal if Mario's not there. And I would expect Mario to be there. It would surprise me more so if not. Mario's got to be there. And Jay Caulfield alluded to that on this station earlier with Joe Stark. He's saying, yeah, he thinks Mario will be there. He expects Mario to be there. Expect a good amount of former Penguins to be there. Some of the guys from the 90s teams, the early 2000s teams. It wasn't easy for Yager. He was the captain for the Penguins in the most difficult part, one of the most difficult parts of franchise history. How do you define Yarmir Yager and his time with the Penguins? 412-928-9370. Or his time in Philadelphia. We thought maybe he's coming back. Maybe he's going to try to give it a run and be able to play with Sid, with Gino, with Latang. Well, some of those guys that ultimately won three cups. It would have been during around the first run, before the first run, at the 09 Cup and 08 as well, going to the Stanley Cup Final against the Detroit Red Wings for ultimately getting over the hump in Detroit in Game 7, which the Penguins couldn't do the year prior at home inside the Igloo. I'll remember Yager as a scorer, as a charismatic figure. There's going to be an evening with Yager at Rivers Casino, a fireside chat with Yager, Kevin Stevens, Phil Bork, and Jake Caulfield that's Going to be broadcast on TV, celebrating 68 on Inside Penguins Hockey with Paul Staggerwald that you hear a lot on this station as well. He is just a figure who, with the mullet, you can't miss. And people still love Yager around here. There's going to be a ton of 68 jerseys on Sunday against the Kings. It's going to be a great event. It's going to be can't miss TV. Can't miss if you're there. If you have tickets, Great. The tickets are going for about two, two fifty right now, I think, just to get into the building to see it. That'll be an event in and of itself that you're gonna want to remember, especially for everyone who remembers those 91-92 teams. When Yager was a young pup coming to Pittsburgh, didn't know the language, and just balled out. It was fantastic. The second greatest one of the greatest of all time, the second best in terms of overall points in NHL history. All right, Justin Fields. I find it fascinating what Colin Cowherd has to say on Fox Sports. The volume, a lot of different things that either businesses that he's created, places that he works, whatnot. He seemingly has a liking for Mike Tomlin, but is one of the first guys, at least nationally, that have kind of come out and said, yeah, it's gotten stale with Tomlin. It's kind of gotten stale with the Steelers in general. What is their philosophy right now? What is the Steeler way? And part of that is in the realm of the quarterback. You know, Kenny Pickett probably has not gotten a fair shake. He's been injured. Let's start off with the timeline. So he was was drafted 20th overall from Pitt. The local kid... A lot of the narrative is the Steelers passed up on Dan Marino back in the 80s. Do the Roonies really want to pass up on the pit quarterback again and potentially have their fortunes play out the same where, yes, Marino never won a Super Bowl, 
But at the time when he played and the time he retired, it was a really good argument that Dan Marino is definitely top 10, maybe a top five quarterback of all time. Not saying Kenny Pickett would be the same way, but you have to go out on a limb and trust that Kenny Pickett in the Heisman race won an ACC championship, could be a guy that could lead your franchise for 15 years. Drafted 20th after some mock drafts had him projected all the way up to six with Carolina. Tennessee was projected. There was thoughts that he wouldn't even be close to the Steelers. He'd be a top 10 pick, maybe right outside the top five. So he gets drafted to the Steelers. Mitch Trubisky's already on the team. Was signed as a free agent. A couple years. Out of being a backup with the Buffalo Bills. Former starter with the Bears. Went to the playoffs a couple times. So first of all, Pickett has to sit behind Trubisky for a couple of games. Trubisky struggles, fails, doesn't do well. He comes in halfway through the Jets game. Didn't win it. Okay. Jets or New England, one of those games. And then proceeds with Matt Canada, a guy that, yeah, he's familiar with. Recruited him in college. And it doesn't go well. And a big reason why, I mean, Matt Canada was the first coordinator, first coach fired by the Steelers mid-season since before the Steelers have won anything back in the 60s. It's been years. I think it was the, the Steagles around that time period when the last time that the Steelers made a move like this. It was closer to the, the Steagles era than it was to where we are right now. So that didn't work out. Pickett also dealt with concussion issues last year. He was banged up. Came back, end of the year, and played very well against the Raiders on the night that the Steelers honored Franco Harris, the Jersey retirement, 50 years from the Immaculate Reception, in the win against the Baltimore Ravens. On the road, in front of a raucous crowd, prime time, in a game that was moved from a day game to a night game, Sunday night football. And Kenny got the boys rolling and won it. Now he comes into this season, got shelled against San Francisco. The team started off poorly. Mitch Trubisky ends up coming in when Pickett's banged up. Then Mason Rudolph replaces Trubisky because Trubisky was so bad. Balls out, plays well. Kenny doesn't see the field again. Ends up being the backup. And presuming and presumably was healthy, at least in the final game. He was healthy for the playoff game. Was healthy for the last game of the season as well. A game that the Steelers needed to win and get some help from Tennessee or Jacksonville. Well, they got it from Tennessee against Jacksonville or help against Buffalo and whatnot. Steelers ended up losing to Buffalo in the playoffs with Mason Rudolph at quarterback. Colin Cowherd does not think that Justin Fields fits the Steelers. Kenny Pickett has pretty much been written off by a lot of people, either nationally, locally. How much of a fair shake has he really gotten? 412-928-9370. My thing with Pickett and the Browns game on the road is really what made me think a lot less and think that 
he probably might not be the guy, maybe with a new offensive coordinator, maybe with a little bit better weapons, maybe with the offensive line playing like they did for Mason Rudolph in the running game with Mason Rudolph playing so well. The components around Rudolph were very solid for the end of the year. Yes, you played a Baltimore team with their backups. Some backups, a lot of starters still played in that game. A Seattle team that was kind of reeling at the end of the year, didn't make the playoffs, kind of fell apart. And also a Cincinnati team without Joe Burrow. Kenny Pick is going to give it, be given every opportunity to grasp the starting role again next year, right? Justin Fields is the hot name. The odds were at about plus 1,600 weeks ago, the beginning of the month. And now the Steelers are the betting favorites to land Justin Fields. Well, one pit man thinks it's a good idea. Colin Cowherd does not. Cowherd does not think it's necessarily that great of an idea to bring in a guy like Justin Fields with Kenny Pickett, and here's what he had to say. This is great for Justin Fields' career. I think he needs an offensive head coach, a sensibility that is offensive-leaning. The Bears and the Steelers, there's an argument, are the two most defensive-driven brands in the league. I mean, the Bears have never had an elite quarterback, and the franchise is over 100 years old. And the Steelers' past five seasons, their best offense has been 23rd. Even when they had Bradshaw in the 70s, it was about the defense, Steel Curtain. So it's fair. I mean, you're talking about Arthur Smith with Justin Fields. So maybe a little bit of a different situation. He was talking about offensive head coach and the difference there. Okay. But don't you think Justin Fields could maybe benefit a little bit from Mike Tomlin? I know we rip on Mike Tomlin so much. Maybe we don't rip up on enough on Mike Sullivan. Really don't know what the level ground is right now on Derek Shelton. Feel like he's discussed a decent amount. But Mike Tomlin gets ripped more than anybody else in this city. Him, whoever the quarterback is, and the offensive coordinator. Sometimes in no particular order. So when Lewis Riddick comes out and says, who's a proud Pitt man, he loves Kenny Pickett, but he wants Justin Fields in Pittsburgh. It makes me think a little bit. How do you like Justin Fields in Pittsburgh? I like him a lot. Look, I think of the effect that Arthur Smith had on Ryan Tannehill when Ryan Tannehill eventually took over from Marcus Mariota when they were down in Tennessee and Arthur was calling plays down there. The play-action game with Justin under center. Man, look, I don't, I don't want to like ever put anybody in front of my boy Kenny Pickett because Kenny's my guy. He's my guy. But Justin Fields is one of those dudes who I'd be like, might have to put him in front of you, Kenny. Might have to go ahead and work with this. Because Justin, in that offense, it would work. It would work. So Cowher doesn't think it would work. Well, Lewis Riddick seems pretty pleased with the possibility and the chance that that could happen. What about Michael Penix? What about Bo Nix? Field Yates. Hello. Whether you think Bo Nix is a perfect prospect or not, the absolute bottom line is the Pittsburgh Steelers must exhaust every resource this offseason to find ways to bring in competition so Bo Nix can do some things outside of the pocket, whether it's as a scrambler or as a design runner. And Pittsburgh must, must, as a responsibility to the organization, think long and hard about every quarterback option available to them this offseason. If the Steelers bring in competition, in all quotes, for Kenny Pickett. And you have two quarterbacks fighting for one job. Does that really mean you have one quarterback? Because if you bring in Justin Fields, he's the starter. If you bring in Bo Nix, 
Michael Penix, especially in a first-round pick, 20th overall. Let's, let's say maybe you move up and maybe you move back a couple spots to be able to pick this guy. Either J.J. McCarthy wouldn't like that. Let's say the Steelers hypothetically do it. You are saying it might not be the first day of training camp. It might not be the first day of the season. It might not be week nine. But you are saying at some point that guy's going to start because we have used our resources just like with Kenny Pickett in that situation where he can potentially be the guy. 412-928-9370. Pirates talk coming up next. Pirates are in spring training. What is up with this trade discussion and trade rumors with Edward Cabrera and much more? Up next, Austin Bechtel with you. It's the Fan Early Morning Show. Fan Early Morning Show on a Friday. Austin Bechtel with you. Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. Spring training is underway to the delight of me and a lot of many others who just love baseball season. The sights and sound of summer in the air in Bradenton, Florida. It's just great to see baseball back with the football season now coming to an end and hockey continuing to ramp up. We're just weeks away from the trade deadline. It's that part of the year, other than October. October's the best when you have the World Series, football season, and it's second month. And you got the NBA and the NHL just starting up their seasons at the middle and portion of the month. And this is another great time. This February, March-ish part of the year. Really March. March into April, you got the NFL draft, the scouting combine, a lot of pro days, still a lot of NFL discussion. Hockey ramps up, push for the playoffs, trade deadline, NBA trade deadline is passed, push for the playoffs in the NBA as well. March Madness, baby, coming up in just a couple of weeks. Excited for that. Conference tournaments. Pittsburgh will be hosting games at PPG Paints Arena on the 21st and the 23rd of March as well. It'll be a great birthday present for me on the 21st to be able to see some home basketball and home cooking. But for the Pirates in spring training, there's been some great things that have come out of it. There's the possibility for the Pirates to potentially trade for Edward Cabrera. Lots of trade rumors, lots of speculation. And then we get this. I think the signing of Grandal kind of pushes him back into AAA. Um, I think if you if you think about all the things they did last year with Indy Rodriguez about development, about growth, he needs to learn how to handle a staff. He needs to really refine his skills. I think that's what we're going to start hearing with Henry Davis. Now, with that being said, he's going to get every opportunity in spring training to show what he can do. And if he comes out and he does his thing, he's been working really hard. And he was a 1-1. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, we didn't hear much about him not being able to catch when he came into pro ball. So I'm excited to see what he can do. I know his mindset is that he can handle this, and I believe he can. So that was Michael McHenry earlier this week with Joe Starkey talking about Henry Davis. And, yeah, where was all this discussion that Henry Davis can't catch when he was picked 1-1 out of Louisville? And now, obviously, we know the bat is good. We know the bat plays. And that that is why, that was the number one reason that the Pirates drafted him. That, they could save some money, not drafting some of the other guys, some are some high school players who are going to command big big numbers out of the draft. Okay, it's not the Pirates being cheap. They ended up drafting a couple of guys you might have heard of before, Bubba Chandler and Anthony Solomedo, who are currently in AA. Good prospects. Solomedo, funky delivery. Currently 
in double A. He spent more time in double A than Chandler has. Chandler only one start. Chandler's got a fastball that goes up at 98. Two guys that, at least Solomedo especially, could see in September, maybe at the back half of the year, more likely 25. But signing Yasmani Grundahl potentially moves Henry Davis to AAA to be able to focus on catching, focus on his defense. Because if Andy Rodriguez was healthy, Tommy John surgery, injured in winter ball, not playing this year, as well as Johan Oviedo, who also had Tommy John. So the Pirates have already been bit by that bug twice already before one pitch has been thrown in spring training and in a spring training game, any game so far this year in 24. From an optics perspective, it's not good. From an overall baseball perspective, Henry Davis was hurt at the end of last season. He came back, played, last couple weeks. And the Pirates claim that if he was healthy, he would have gotten more run to go out there and catch. He only caught an inning last year. That was it. He didn't get too much time. It's not like he started a game at catcher. Hurry, got a lot of time there. I remember one game he came in like the 8th or the ninth, Just caught an inning. Yeah, got it under his belt. That's it. Why are the Pirates scared to deploy Henry Davis behind the plate? It must be so bad that you can't put him back there. They're just afraid he's going to have a pass ball once every two innings? Wild pitches galore? I'm not sure... Why there's a lack of confidence in a guy that you picked 1-1, number one overall, who has a great bat. You have to keep his bat in the lineup. Let's say he's hitting 320 in spring training. Let's say he's hitting 250 but has three home runs in spring training because it's a limited sample size. Guys, they don't play too much in spring. Henry Davis is not a type of guy that he's not in this type of point in his career. And when he was younger, a couple of years ago, maybe even last year, He's a guy that, yeah, would probably play a decent amount in the 6th, the 7th inning, the 8th, maybe catching the ninth. Now, could we see him play longer in the games to get a better sense for catching and a better feel for a major league game? Okay, maybe, sure. But he's going to be starting out games. He's going to be going the 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, maybe even the 5th inning. More so later on in games as we get further and further towards opening day and the home opener in Pittsburgh. It would be just completely ridiculous in my mind. I don't even care from an optics perspective. From a baseball perspective, why would you not want Henry Davis to learn, figure it out while his bat plays in the lineup, which you need? You're going to need him to hit fifth or sixth. Hell, if he hits seventh, fantastic for the Pirates, where there's a discussion. Should Andrew McCutcheon lead off? Should O'Neill Cruz lead off? Brian Reynolds will probably hit second or third. You'll probably have Cruz. Reynolds, McCutcheon, Cabrian Hayes will probably bat fifth. Jack Sawinski will more likely bat fourth. So you're talking about Henry Davis in about the sixth or seventh spot. Iover Pagaro will be shuffled around there. Let's get Rowdy Telez will be thrown in there as well. Who's going to play right field? Great question. We don't know. Is going to be thrown in there probably at about the eight or nine spot. Might be G1 Bay in center and Jack Sawinski in right. Kind of like what the Pirates did moving Brian Reynolds from center over to left to be able to allow Jack Sawinski to play that spot. Henry Davis has to be on the Major League team. One of Henry Davis or Paul Skeens does. And Paul Skeens, John Parado, 
was on with Joe Starkey as well when I was producing the show yesterday, and he gave it a 5% chance that Paul Skeens will be on the team to begin the year. I agree. I don't even know if I'd put it that high. That, that, that's probably a good number. Just in case something other unworldly happens, Paul Skeens goes out there, pitches, eh, let's say 15 innings, probably not even that many, and he strikes out about 30 guys, gives up no runs, maybe two hits, and he just come out and flat out dominates. Not against guys that are playing in A-ball, but against quality major league players. The more likely scenario is that he comes up mid-May. End of May. Maybe beginning of June. Beginning of June, second week of June, is right in that Super 2 spot for where you don't have an extra year of arbitration. He's got to be down for a couple of weeks to make sure they have the extra year of control. Unless the Pirates just want to try to give him a contract extension now and then bring him up and he maybe wins Rookie of the Year and the Pirates get a draft pick out of that, but that's probably not going to happen. Henry Davis has to be on this team as the starting catcher. Now, does he catch every day? Every five days? We'll see. But to sign Yasmani Grandal to a one-year deal, upwards of about $2.5 million, some incentives thrown in there, to be your everyday catcher? A guy that hits about 210, buck 90, has some power. More of a complimentary piece to Davis. More of a platoon type of piece. This Davis a right-handed bat and has Monte Grandal lefty bat. You know, it's not typically the situation that you want to put yourself in. But the Pirates have to have Henry Davis start the year in the major leagues. And a lot of people are kind of pointing that that might not end up being the case. Gondola switch hitter, so he can flip around and do both. Head from either side of the plate. But Henry Davis got to be here. Especially without Andy Rodriguez. You're probably going to play Davis in right. There hasn't been any discussions with Davis playing right field. It's catcher. Catcher or bust right now for Henry Davis. Fan weather. It's brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on new Silverado 1500 trucks at Sun Chevrolet. High of 38 degrees today. Currently 29 in Pittsburgh with a low of 28. There are some snow chances throughout the middle of the day, throughout the evening, rather, later on tonight, starting at about 8 o'clock. Pirates, Pens, Steelers, a lot going on. We'll get into it on the Fan Morning Show. The Fan Morning Show wedding, live from Voodoo in the North Shore. It's up next here on the Fan.